Welcome to the Is For Podcast. I am Danger. Who All right, pointing let's at? start over. Who the hell are you what? pointing at? Oh, I'm pointing on my screen. All right, let's start over. <laughs> this all stays in. Welcome to another episode of the Is For Podcast with Danger and Sarge. And as always with us is Monster. I am Danger. Well, I am Danger. Happy to be free this evening. I am Sarge. Yeah, and that is the that's the free monster. He he's not free to you. He just has no nothing else going on tonight. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll sell him to you for free. Hey, I'm not free, but it's not expensive. I promise. I don't know how much I would pay for you, but we're getting into a whole other topic here. (laughs) So tonight on the Is Four podcast, we are talking the letter C, and C is for Capcom. Now I know that. At the end of B, we actually said that we were going to talk uh, Captain America. We did record Captain America, and the audio was garbage, so that has been scrapped. And now we're talking Capcom. Here we are. I'm going to run through the history of Capcom, and there's a lot of things that have absolutely nothing to do with America in there. In fact, I took out a couple things. They're on the, uh, the a lot of their accomplishments have to do with getting on like Japanese stock exchanges and stuff like that. So, but I don't care about Makes that sense. during this. So anyway. Anybody want to take a stab at the year that Capcom was started? I will say, I don't know about an exact year, but I'll say it was in the 60s. Ah, it was 1979. In 1979... You guessed the early 80s. You didn't even let me guess. Sorry, do you want to guess? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. You ruined it for me. Yeah. Oh, well, you're, you'll be fine. In May 1979, they were established, uh, they established the IRM Corporation with a capital of 10 million yen. With, what does uh, that translate to American dollars? Do we know? I don't know. I looked it up and then I closed oh that tab. Sorry, guys. Keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. All right. The objectives of developing and selling electronic applied game machines in, ooh, I'm going to mess this one up, but Matsubara, Osaka. So they were, they started with just that market that they were trying to get to. Just that and little what bit. What games did you say? And, and about $87,000 in U.S. money. So really not that much money. No. What'd you say, Sarge? Uh, what did you, what type of games did you say? Uh, selling electronic applied game machines, which is best that I've been able to find was defined as electronic games for pleasure and not business. That's, so like the Tamagotchi and crap. Right. That's that's the best that I could find definition uh-huh. for that. So I think very primitive consoles is kind yeah. of what they were. And then in September... Uh, the corporate name changed to Sandby Company or Co. Limited, and the head office was moved to um, Habinko, Osaka. And then the 70s are over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to murder these names across, just not going to do well. So, all right. Obviously, test on this. Should, I, should I be taking notes? No. Well, I was just, I was just going to say, nobody can see your face. But watching the pure, like, innocent struggle you have every time you pronounce something in Japanese, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, get ready. Maybe I'll just upload screenshots of my face for you. Put them up on, on Facebook and Twitter for you. Our listener count will double. Our viewership will dwindle. Uh, in June 1981, established Capcom. That's the first time that Capcom actually came out with a capital of 10 million yen. So evidently, they're not losing money <laughs> like most businesses do in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. For the purpose of selling software. So they were just purely a software company at that point. And then they established Tokyo Branch in 1981. 83, they finally released the first video game. They uh, released the coin-op Little League. 
not quite a video game, but it's getting to that point. That was in July, then October, they released the coin-operated Fever Chance. It's coin-operated, are, are you saying, like, basically, like, arcade machines? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then in December, they opened Acti 24, the uh, video arcade, under direct management of Capcom. So Capcom has now fully gotten into the video game market, video game world. Which, of course, we know them as nothing but video games anymore. But yeah, so it took them that long to just tow the water, and then they're in. I don't think there's very many Capcom games out no more, is there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. I just happen to have this sitting on my desk, a collection of Capcom classic games right here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll actually get to the Capcom games that uh, we more know. You know, there's a few more titles that Capcom put out than I realized, but they... Not only that, there's there's a couple that have, like, longevity, too, that have been around for 30 years almost. Oh, yeah. So their first arcade game was called Vulgus, and then uh, that was in May, and then December 1984, they released 1942, World War II game, battle game. Uh, and then August, they established Capcom USA in California, so they came to America. It took them until the 84 to get there. And 85, they released Commando. And then they released... They're all on this collection, too, by the way. Commando is Bionic Commando? No, just Commando. And then in September, they released the hardest damn game in the world, Ghosts and Goblins. I remember that one. Ghosts and Goblins was one of the most damn frustrating games when I was a kid. I rage quit on it multiple times in my 20s. I rage quit on it again when I could actually save the game on an emulator. And I still have never beaten it. The only other game that frustrates me as bad is Battletoads for the NES. Oh, another one that's almost impossible. Yeah, that, the, that Ghosts and Goblins, man. Uh, you know me. That imagery is. I love it. I love the like vibe and the concept. Oh yeah, it's good. It, God, it's that a really cool look all throughout the game. But why would they ever make a game that hard in 1985? Well, I actually have an answer for that. Back in the early 80s. Video game cartridges for like the the Atari systems and of course the Nintendo systems that came out. The idea was, you know, they were still fifty, sixty dollars, just like they are today. Mm -hmm. But those cartridges obviously had a lot of restrictions as far as how much memory space they had on them. So the idea was, if they made them hard as hell, that kids would play them more. Whereas if the game was too easy and they could beat it too fast then there was no, like, replayability. That was a big thing with the uh, the, the first Castlevania game, was okay. they made it almost as hard as Ghosts and Goblins. If you can beat it, it only takes about 40 minutes, but it takes hours because it's so damn hard. Can I tell you the first time I ever played a Capcom game? Sure. There's no more appropriate time than right now to talk about Capcom. I played 1942. On the Commodore 64. Mm, but that looks a little different than the arcade version. A little oh, bit. Absolutely. Like, like, the, like, you guys remember the three and a half inch hard disk, right? Yes. Well, this was this was on a, what was it, five by five game disk, the floppy drives? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it had, if I remember right, my dad had it in the sleeves, and it was like, I think the game itself was like five discs long. Oh, <laughs> Actually, the next thing was is that in 1985, in December 1985, they released 1942 for the NES. Uh, do you remember what year you played Commodore? You played on the Commodore 64? Any idea? Well, I wasn't in 85 because um, I was like I don't know, three years old. It was like in the early 90s. 
Yeah. Because we, we lived in Turkey. Uh, so in 1986 is when they released uh, Ghosts and Goblins for the NES. And then that was in June and September, released Commando for NES. So they pretty much just kind of stuck to the same games and didn't really branch out too much up to that point. But then at that point, they were out of the games. <laughs> they, they had no more. They had to create something new. Does anybody want to take a stab at the next game that they created? It's probably one of their biggest games. Go on. Street Fighter? It's Street Fighter. Yeah. And in August of 87, they released the arcade game of Street Fighter. Have either one of you ever played Street Fighter? Not Street Fighter 2 that everybody knows, but the first hmm. Street Fighter. Yes, I have played it. Okay. And There's the entire time I played it, I was disappointed that it wasn't Street Fighter 2. <laughs> so I actually played it before Street Fighter 2 ever came out because uh, there was an arcade machine at Farmore, which I don't even think those exist anymore. I've never even heard of a Farmore. It was like a CVS Walgreens, but a little bit bigger. Records. Um, yeah. And they always had like one or two arcade machines out in the lobby. And Street Fighter, the first one, was one of them. And I remember playing it and being like, this game's hard. Kicking my ass. I was also like five, but you know. Yeah. Trying. The first Street Fighter was really hard. I think I eventually played it when I was, you know, probably 17, 18. But yeah, it was hard. So does anybody want to take a guess what their second title after after Street Fighter was? Now we're in 87. One of their other biggest properties went on to spawn many, many... Resident Evil was, Resident Evil was one of Capcom's. Resi yes, it is Capcom, but that's further on. But go on, monster. Mega Man. Yep. In December of 87, they released Mega Man for the NES. Again. Hard as yes, kids. absolutely. Good lord, absolutely. A couple of years ago, I had a friend that uh, he actually got a, a Mega Man tattoo, and so he uh, he was on the hunt for Mega Man games and for his NES. And I had I think two and three, and so I was like, all right, well I have these, you know, um, I'll sell them to you for ten bucks each. I didn't really care; they were just sitting in a box, and my NES barely works. So I sold them to him, but before I sold them to him, I put them in and played them, and I do not remember Mega Man being. So damn difficult as a child. I don't know if it's that I've gotten worse as an adult or what. It's a it's a little bit of both. But those first three games, all three of the, the first three Mega Man games, first of all, the soundtracks are incredible. The music on those games is some of the best Nintendo music ever made. Oh yeah. But they are so difficult. And they give you this idea that you can pick, you know, which boss battle you want to fight. And they kind of give you this feeling that is kind of like, you know, go go wherever you want to go. No, you have to beat certain bosses to get weapons to beat other bosses. And if you it's a false sense of it, security. Yeah, it's basically impossible if you don't know the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's your choose your own adventure, but you don't have a choice. Right. No, no. <laughs> it, no. it's it, it's just uh, choosing frustration. That's all it is. Yeah. It's choosing which, frustration. Which stage do you want to die? Do you want to die at an electric stage or in a wooded forest stage? Because you're going to die. Or do you want to jump on a bunch of platforms that eventually you'll fall off of said platforms? Uh, Mega Man. Rage quitting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I did rage quit quite a bit on some Mega Man, especially as an adult. And it was like, I'm in my, I'm in my 20s getting mad at Mega Man. And I'm like, I'm supposed to love you. You've been a part of my life forever. So, all right. Little blue guy, man. So then in January of 88, Capcom was merged with Sandby. It says they changed corporate name to Capcom Co. Limited, but it's the same name that it had before. So I don't understand that. But 
Then they moved headquarters to, and here you go. I'm going to give this one to you. Higashiku Osaka. The black dude. Higashu, Higashiku Osaka. Uh, maybe if I say it faster, it'll sound better. I don't know. You are absolutely adorable as you struggle <laughs> through these words. Oh. Well, thanks, guy. And then in August, they established an office in the UK. So now they are in uh, Japan, US, and UK. So they are becoming a world power. All right, and then in 89, they released another fighting game. Go on, go on. What is it? Final Fight. Final Fight. Yes, I guess they were trying to capitalize on Street Fighter more. Final Fight was garbage. Yes. So the, oh. No, no. Final Fight's not garbage. Now, Final Fight. Like saying God of War is garbage. Come on now. Oh, Final Fight was actually originally called Street Fighter 89. And it was supposed to kit, like use characters from Street Fighter, but it was going to be like a side-scrolling beat-em-up to compete with Streets of Rage, which is the best side-scroller beat-em-up ever made. Oh, Street I, of Streets of Rage 2 was uh, is one of my yeah. hands-down favorite games ever. Sorry, you're shaking your head. Why do you shake your head? Why do you disagree oh, with side, The best side-scroller? I wouldn't I mean, say the best side-scroller. Yeah, just beat just beat him up. I mean, I mean the turtles, the Ninja Turtles. Oh, the Ninja Turtles arcade game, the Back in Time yeah, game was so yeah. good. Yeah. Double I, Dragon. Oh the yeah. Original th- Battle Toads. Mm-hmm. All great, all classic. Streets of Rage is still my favorite. Streets of Rage Two is one of my favorite games ever. I it like really the is. music and the aesthetic and and that vibe of it. But Final Fight, it had bigger, more colorful sprites, which I think played well in the arcade and, and streets of rage was just for the consoles that wasn't in arcade so they had a leg up there well this is when we started to see i think really a big issue with they were wanting to do things with arcade games and they were succeeding hands down and putting out beautiful arcade games and trying to put those into the home and the home systems just could not keep up with it the super nintendo port of final fight is decent it's not bad, but for whatever reason, they took away co-op. So, I mean, that's one of the best parts of playing these Yeah, games. oh yeah, definitely. Like playing with your friends. But yeah, yeah that, that was the big drawback there. Can I, can I say that Final Fight came out on the Amiga, the Amistad, the arcade game, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, the CPS Changer, Game Boy Advance, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, the Sega Mega CD... One, this one I've never heard of, the X68000. Yes, I know that one. I don't know the Amistad. What the hell is the Amistad? I have no idea. I know Amistad as that Steven Spielberg movie about slavery. Yeah. (laughs) Amistad. I'm going to look up that console. And with all that being said, going back to Mega Man, there was a Mega Man game for MS-DOS, and it is atrocious. Oh, yes. hot pink and light blue it's super slow it is garbage i can't imagine what final fight looks like on an amiga yeah mind-blowing i'm guessing by sarge's face it's not good now before we go any further i have a question okay what came first the chicken or the egg final fight or street fighter 2 um final fight did and street fighter's coming so hold your britches buddy that was December 1990 that they released Final Fight. It was in March of 1991 that they released the arcade game of Street Fighter, and it triggered the Street Fighter 2 boom. Yes, so it was in March of 91 that they released Street Fighter 2, just the arcade version. The later, the home console versions would come out. But I recently, 
I don't know, I say recently, it was probably about um, three years ago. Uh, a friend of mine had a barcade in Charlotte and I probably dumped a good 50, 60 bucks into Street Fighter 2. It's dangerous to have an adult budget in an arcade. It's it's horribly dangerous. Especially at the arcades that they have now that are geared towards grown-ups and serve alcohol. Yeah, and that's that's what this was. And it was like between between Street Fighter 2 and the Ninja Turtles game and the X-Men game, actually. I remember I spent a lot of time. The X-Men, yeah. The, the X-Men arcade uh, is one beat-em-up that we left out of that little debate that we just had. I probably dropped a good 150 bucks in that arcade that day, just on games in quarters. I mean, it's <laughs> not kidding. Was I aware of it? No. Uh, at the time, no, not at all. I just wanted to keep playing. Okay, quick, right off the top of your head. Casey, who's your favorite Street Fighter 2 character? Depends on who I'm, uh, who the opponent is. Of course. Steven, do you got a favorite? No, not particularly, because yeah. my move in Street Fighter was always press the down arrow and kick low. Ah, you're one of those cheap. <laughs> hey, did it work? Did I win most of the time? Absolutely. A win's a win. Yeah. It was usually either Ryu or, um, oh, damn it, her name's escaping me. Who's the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those are usually my go to. There was always a thing that I heard on the Sega, um, version of Street Fighter that Ken, one of his finishing moves is that he would pull out a gun and shoot the other player. Never saw it in person. Yeah, that was that was a rumor that went around my school and whatnot. That all right. So then, like the rumor where your friend is like, "Hey, I've got Mike Tyson's phone number if you want to call him." <laughs> yeah, I never had that one. Sorry. Yeah, didn't didn't. Nobody in my school wanted to call Mike Tyson. In June 1992, they released Street Fighter II for the Super NES. Of course, you take a monster hit in the arcade and you give it to him at home and it becomes an even bigger hit. Well, I was a Sega Genesis guy and uh, let me tell you. And what does Sega do? Sega does what Nintendo <laughs> But what Nintendo does is put enough buttons on the damn controller because the Sega Genesis only had three buttons. And Trying to play a fighting game with three buttons is horseshit. And this Actually, it was really easy. You just start at A and you press ABC at the same time and your dude does all the kinds of cool stuff. Uh, you were a button masher all the way. Oh, you were the. Oh, I, am. I I hated playing against people like you. I never want to play fighting games with you, Stephen. Never. Nope. But we can fight in real life. To, I don't want to do that yeah, either. I wouldn't want to do that yeah, either. I, don't, I mean, you can have a controller. I. But that's worthless. Charge in real life, and you walk up to him and he just squats down and kicks <laughs> you in the shin over and over. <laughs> well, nobody asked, but I'm going to say it anyway. My favorite Street Fighter Two character. When I was growing up with Blanca. The the, the monster? The green? Yeah, <laughs> the green monster from Brazil. Because he could like turn into a lightning, like a ball of lightning. He yeah. could fly across the screen and stuff. And Dalsim could uh, kick you from the other side of the screen, which is probably Steven's favorite character. I feel like he was like a cheat code, man. You could, oh, yeah. That wasn't fair. He, he was a cheat code in himself. So they, I mean, I don't remember which one, but, you know, how they did Street Fighter 2. Turbo, Tournament Edition, all these extra versions. When you could play as the last couple of bosses as well, I really liked Vega. Uh, I liked Vega more for the way he looked and the way he played, but the long hair and the claw and stuff, I thought yeah, was cool. Yeah, it was a cool look. It was an edgy look for the time. All right, in uh, April, they released Breath of Fire for the Super NES, which Breath of Fire was a great game. I liked that game. Is that RPG? Yeah. It was, I'm not familiar with that one. It was a good one. It's it's it actually played it a couple years ago. I 
think it held up. Now, I don't know if somebody who never played it as a kid would like it, but I guess I liked it right. for nostalgia purposes. But um, And then in July, they opened uh, Capco Circus Nagata East, largest arcade in Nagata. They opened the largest arcade in part of Japan. So then May and July, they constructed facilities. So they were actually starting to make their own stuff, their own arcade cabinets and whatnot. But then in 1994, the animated movie of Street Fighter II came out, which that 1994 one is actually pretty good. But do you know what happened in December of 1994? They released probably the biggest tragedy of video game adaptations ever. It oh, was the the, the Street Fighter <laughs> movie. Oh God, the Street Fighter movie was terrible. So in 1994, <laughs> I would have been nine or ten years old, and I probably rented that movie <laughs> 25 times. Oh, I watched the hell out of it too. Oh yeah, and I loved it. <laughs> oh, like at the time, at the time, I had I had no taste in movies and watched it about. I don't know, last year? And it's a god-awful movie. So bad. And it's not even, like, so bad that it's good. Like, like the original Mortal Kombat movie. That's, like, cheesy, but the fight scenes are cool, the music's kind of cool, it's not terrible. KMFDM did the soundtrack, of course it was cool. KMFDM, Gravity Kills, Fear Factory, anyway. But the Street Fighter (laughs) movie... There, there's nothing redeeming about it. It's no, so bad. <laughs> no, there's not. Who was it that Jean Claude Van Damme played? Guile. Okay, yeah, he played Guile. Okay, Colonel Guile. Colonel Guile. Then, right. Then what's well, his I don't name? know. The girl that played Cammy was pretty cute. But that's not enough to redeem that movie. <laughs> it's and just not. You're an adolescent boy. All right, fair enough. Oh, what's his name? Raul. The guy that played the guy that played Gomez Adams in the Adams Family movie. Played out in Bison, Bison uh, right? Raul, get oh man, we messed his name up. Yeah, Raul. Yeah, something. We know it's Raul. <laughs> so. What's even more disrespectful than Street Fighter the movie is Street Fighter the movie, the game. I didn't even know they made a game of the movie. Oh my mm-hmm. god, dude! No, no, no! They did it like Mortal Kombat. So they digitized the actors and made it look like a Mortal Kombat game, but with shittier controls, awful graphics. It is so bad. It is the one of the worst fighting games ever made. So stupid. I want to play it. They literally took a fighting game and turned it into a movie about fighting, took the movie and turned it into a fighting game about the movie, but not the fighting game that the movie was based on. That's like making a novelization of the Jurassic Park movie. Jurassic Park was based on a book, and then they made a book from the movie. Exactly. Yeah. And a classic game that was turned into a shitty movie that was turned into a shittier game. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Ridiculous. You've got to look this up. It is so... I'm, I'm going to find it. it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to play it. It's Sega Saturn, because I, I was like, I probably rented the game and the movie at the same time. That's how much I was into it when I was a kid. Sarge, you haven't given us your opinion of the Street Fighter movie. Yeah, he did. He said Camry was hot. Yeah, yeah. that's all he said about the movie. That's Again, when you're an adolescent boy, the only thing you're staring at is TNA. Yeah. I mean, let's just mm-hmm. be honest. Which, uh, Cammy's outfit became way skimpier in the more recent Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the the newest Street Fighter is a fantastic game, by the way. It's if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it. It's it's great. It really is. Um, all right. So then in uh, June that year, established Capcom Entertainment. In '95 uh, is when the uh, they started broadcasting the animated Street Fighter show, and they started uh, broadcasting or started releasing um, images and things of Street Fighter Two, Four. They kept releasing different versions of Street Fighter oh. 2. They just couldn't get off of that Street Fighter 2. It was just too big of a hit for them. So then, Monster. What happened in March of 1996? We have now moved past the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo. We have then brought in the new wave of consoles. Do you know what happened in March 1996? I know, since he's asking. Since he's asking, Monster. Yeah. I, I was getting ready to say... I believe this is around the time when we started to get into the foray of survival horror with the Resident Evil series. Yes, they released Resident Evil and established the genre of survival horror. And the only reason why I asked you is because if you want to go back and listen to season one to episode R, <laughs> you can hear all about Resident Evil. Yes. So you said it. Hold on. Wait, wait. Danger, you said it wrong. How are you supposed to say it? Resident Evil. I can't do it. No. It was all right. Yeah. You made an attempt, and that's that's what matters. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Yeah, now that was spot on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, sidebar, real quick. I don't know how Capcom stayed afloat with its Street Fighter games because I'm looking at the revenue breakdown for Cap for Capcom right now, just for Street Fighter, right? And like. Street Fighter in 1987 to 2006, original Street Fighter, only grossed $400,000. Well, you have to wonder, you have to ask, is that just what they did on home entertainment systems, as in like the Sega, Super Nintendo and whatnot? Does yeah, that so include... This is breaking it down across all platforms. This is all Sega. did say Street Fighter. Do you mean Street Fighter 2? Right. No, I'm talking about Street Fighter. So Street Fighter 2 did a lot better in 1991 oh, yeah. with 20,815,000. Right. So they had their previous games. You know, they had the success of Mega Man and Ghost of Goblins and whatnot. So they had a few successes beforehand, but they were also at that point leasing arcade machines to other companies. Um, they were building arcade machines and whatnot, but they were also leasing them to arcades and building arcades and whatnot. So they had other streams of revenue than just video games. They did really, really stretch themselves out. And, you know, I'm pretty sure they had, you know, plans for things in the works. They were just kind of hoping for the future and, you know, kind of betting on a dime of what was going to happen. And Street Fighter came out and probably gave them enough hope to push out Street Fighter 2 and then the world blew up. With Street Fighter, I mean, they knew they were unstoppable when that movie came out, <laughs> and <laughs> that 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 movie that grossed uh, 1994, right? Yeah, 24 million, 24.5 million in the movie theater. Okay, how what was oh, the budget? God. What was the budget for it? it? It doesn't have the budget for it. However, I bet the budget wasn't that big. I bet they made their money back. Oh, I'm sure they did. So that $24.5 million includes the cinema release box office bring homes of $23.7 million. The soundtrack, which, you know, us old folks remember going to the stores and buying the soundtracks. Soundtracks brought in 500000 And Luke, you probably did this all by yourself, but the VHS rentals. There it is. 250000 worldwide. Tom, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> 
you single-handedly kept this company afloat. Yeah. Well, and then if that if I didn't do my part in 1994, I sure as shit did my part in 1996. Because when Resident mm. Evil came out, it was hard. I had never played a game that was that long and confusing and dense. So I had to keep renting it over and over again. I could have bought it probably six times for as many times as I rented it, but I never beat it. I never beat that game. It was so hard when, when I was a kid. Sega Saturn got a lot of play on that Resident Evil game. Okay, so the soundtrack is something that I dearly miss because it was a hand-picked, curated list of songs for a movie. And it was the only way that we could get a compilation, really. You know, it was the only place we could go to to get multiple um, artists, multiple songs in one place. And now we just go to YouTube or Internet, wherever. And, and not to bring this up again, because I know it's their like direct competition, but Mortal Kombat. God, what a good soundtrack they had. Oh, yeah. I, I That was one of the first quote unquote soundtracks I ever owned. And it introduced me to bands that I still listen to today, 20 some years later. That soundtrack introduced me to KF, KMFDM. I, yeah, that made me go, oh, I like the way this makes my heart feel. Is- 1996 Resident Evil game release revenue throughout the entire year. In millions. Are we talking yens or dollars? <laughs> U.S. dollars. Millions U.S. No inflation. $299 million. At that point, can you just round up to three? Just three million? Well, <laughs> 300 I million? The, I can round the gross with inflation to 500 billion, if it makes you feel any better. Did you say billion? No, I said million. Oh. Uh, according to what I've seen from their tax records, because I'm, I'm looking up their company information, Capcom. Huh. Um, yeah, I know. You do. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're looking up I'm glad you're looking up companies that are relevant to the conversation, not looking up like Apple. <laughs> so true. So grand total is six point nine billion just in game sales and in the Resident <sighs> Evil movies. Oh boy. Hold on a second. Well, you got to think, too, there's at this stage, because I'm assuming this is as of 2021, there's like 35, 40 different Resident Evil games. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of them. But I mean, we're only at 96 in the timeline. But as of 2021, um, I think during Resident Evil, the the episode, I think you said there was 15 like spinoffs. Well, there's the mainline games and then there's the spinoffs and then there's also the ports of each one too okay so yeah it's the number is is ridiculous and then the movies too there's there's five or six in the mila jovovich canon of resident evil films but then there's also like a handful of animated films yes and then there's a brand new resident evil movie getting ready to come out in theaters in a couple of weeks which i'm looking forward to so not counting the new movie because it's not out yet you have the six from Mila Jovovich all the way up to the final chapter. Then you have the three animated serials, series with Degeneration, Damnation, and Vendetta. Grand I've seen total, Degeneration. It's pretty good. So grand total is $2 billion just in film revenue. And then that's revenue. That's that's them. That's after losses and depreciation and everything else like that. So that's, that, that's, that's take home. You know what's funny? And I, we don't need to spend too much time on this because... If you want to know more, listen to letter R for Resident Evil. But when that game came out, Capcom was kind of like on the fence. Like they yeah, thought, yeah. They, they thought, hey, we've got all these other games. We've got all these other ideas, whatever. You want to do this remake of Sweet Home and kind of survival horror, whatever you want to do. Sure, let's see what happens. And then, I mean, Capcom has, I mean, plenty of iconic franchises 
And I'd say uh, Resident Evil is right near the top of that. Yeah. So in April of 1996, and we're going to get to some other franchises here as we move along. But in April of 1996, they established uh, Flagship Co., which I think it's interesting they created it in 1996 because Flagship Co. was solely focused on enhancing the quality of games using screenwriters that were in TV, film, and stage and whatnot. So this is when we really started to see the other iterations of uh, Resident Evil start to get more storyline that we talk about in episode R. But then also we start to see other games come out, like in July of 1999, you saw Dino Crisis come out, which spawned quite a few. I was never a fan of the Dino Crisis games, but you can start to see where they really started to dive into storytelling within the games and really start fleshing out more than just, you know, going back to Street Fighter where it's a very loose, nothing story and these people are fighting. Okay, cool. And then if they had flagship, maybe the Street Fighter 2 movie would have been better than whatever god-awful shit story that movie was. You know, and then before that, it was Mega Man and whatnot. And it was, you know, really no story. It was go here, beat this boss, go here, beat this boss. The only real story, I guess, is the story of tears that were left in your bedroom as you cried because you didn't have what you needed to beat the boss because you picked the wrong order. But then, you know, on into 2001, we saw, and I know I've seen this game on shelves. I know I've seen it at my friend's houses, but I still do not know how to pronounce it. But we're going to try here tonight. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Anamusha? Yes. Anamusha, which yes. went on to sell over a million copies for PlayStation 2 in the first week. But then one of my favorite Capcom games, actually. Uh, one, of my, gonna say. one of my favorite series, I loved the Devil May Cry series, which came out in yeah. August that year. And then following that is one of the strangest video game titles I've ever seen in my life. Does anybody want to guess what it is? Like, the one job that I would never expect to see be turned into an action video game. Oh, is this Ace Attorney? Phoenix Wright. It's the attorney game. I've never understood that. He is actually in the new Capcom games, and he throws his briefcase at people. I'm like, he opens it up and papers fly out. I don't understand that. Who the hell would look at a lawyer and go, you know what? That guy needs to fight. <laughs> He's never, fighting for the never, law. <laughs> never played those, but dude, those Devil May Cry games. The so Devil May Cry games are great. As we call them in our house, the DMC series. Yeah. yeah. They were fantastic. I know I played one of them driving to Illinois. I just, I can't remember which one it was, but that was the first time I really got my hands on it for an extended period of time and played it in a van full of sweaty guys on the way to play a concert. And it was it was fantastic. Um, that Devil May Cry game, uh, the whole series, if you've never played it, please do yourself a favor and go and play it. God, it was great. So then now we're in 2002. In March of 2002, they began broadcasting the TV animated show, Mega Man Battle Network. I'm not familiar with it. I don't think, what what year was that? 2002. What was I in 2002? So I was in high school and I remember around that time, Fox Animation and some other like animated series were really popular that were sort of like geared towards kids, but they were kind of like action drama kind of. As a teenager, uh, as a teenager, young adult, you could still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why I like the X-Men animated series, but like the Mega Man one and some of the other ones, I just I had a hard time getting into them. I was into like. The Simpsons and Beavis and Butthead and Ren and Stimpy, kind of the more comical stuff. 
So the more like serious cartoons. I love the X Men and the the comic book, like the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer series in the '90s. But then by the time the 2000s rolled around, I was much more into things like girls than I was cartoons, and I kind of stopped watching cartoons and well, stuff. For me, it that was time. working a full time job. Well, I mean, I, it's it's not like both, Casey. I can, but I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I still watch my share of tar- cartoons. I was going to say, but one likes you a lot less if you enjoy one too much. Right. So here's right. the thing some of our listeners might not understand. is back in the early 2000s, there was no such thing as a DVR. So if you were like me, I worked third shift as an armed security guard. I got home at like 9 a.m. and I went to bed just to wake up when it was dark. So I missed all the early morning cartoons throughout the week. And there was no DVR. You had to wait for that shit to come out on VHS still. While we were watching Mega Man, Steven was living it. So here's something else for our listeners that you may not understand is that Steven was an old man at seven years old. And he (laughs) had a full-time job. Uh, working in the metal factory at 12, he actually... Coal mine at 7. I'm, right. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I missed how you lost three fingers, and so it's not my fault you're the old man of the group. Um, a, I don't mind being the old man. Yeah, like, I can fall asleep right now during the podcast, and no one would blame me because I'm old and need a nap. I, I, I'm not going to blame you, but I will go, Stephen, wake up! <laughs> Into your headphones. Three times since we started. Oh. <laughs> man, you're really good sleep talker so then in march of 2002 the first resident evil movie was released which we've already talked all about the resident evil movies how much money did you say that it made Serge? oh hell I have to, i'd have to pull back up um it, it, it did it made in its double digit millions oh well i for that first we're with milo jovovich and uh oh that chick from the fast and furious movies what's her name michelle rodriguez yeah. yeah. Um, I have that in the cinemas that made $102 million worldwide. Now, if, now, if you want to know some cool facts about it, and I'm trying to bite my tongue because we've already did it, please listen to the letter R. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then in February, they finally branched into Germany. They released CEG or established CEG Interactive Entertainment in Germany. So they've now made it to all of Europe, I guess. You know, they're not all of it, but a good chunk of it. Of Europe. Then in 2004, where were you in 2004, Sarge? Uh, February. The point. Well, I find it interesting that uh, the, I never played the. Um, you said I pronounced it right earlier, so I'm going to try to do it again. Animusha. Animusha. <laughs> Animusha. Well, they released the guidebook for Animusha 3. And um, I mean, I've known guidebooks for games in the past, but I, I always think it's interesting when a company goes, we made this one too hard. We have to give them stuff to read to figure out how to get through it. So was that the first like big guidebook? It, no, I mean I don't think it was the first one because I remember guidebooks for games when I was younger. I mean, if you want to get into guide yeah. magazines, I mean Nintendo oh, magazine, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and I had Nintendo power and all that. Yeah, I had a a a book or a magazine with all of the codes for characters for NBA Jam. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah. that's what you can play is the Beastie Boys and Bill Clinton and, you know, all those people. Classic. So then in September, 2004, um, released Resident Evil Apocalypse, uh, grossed 10 million worldwide. In October, uh, and I've never played this series, but in October 2004, they released Monster Hunter, 
Um, and it won awards at the Sessa Game Awards. Sarge, by your reaction, I feel like you've uh, played a lot of Monster Hunter. I love the Monster Hunter. That is the first game where you that I ever played to where you could pick between alternate between three different of your classes and you know different abilities and then get, you had to farm your materials so it's a pretty much an old school farming game where you would you'd have to get like parts off of dinosaurs like kill these monsters these essential dinosaurs take their parts to upgrade your gear no wonder i didn't play it in 2004 i was um yeah that didn't sound like fun to me that i'd play it now but not in 2004 not when i was 19 no so all right and then in 2005, they did something really kind of cool, in my opinion. Um, so at the beginning of the year, they opened um, the uh, they opened their facilities. They began accepting uh, visits to the company from elementary and middle schools as what they titled an educational support activity. I, I could labor. <laughs> well, no, like like schools could come and visit the facilities and learn about video games as part of school, which to me is cool. And then um, in March, uh, they premiered the Mega Man video game, or movie, sorry, the animated movie. Um, July, oh, another game that I'm going to bastardize the name of, um, Sengoku Basara for PlayStation 2. Um, It became uh, popular amongst... um, younger gamers because of worldview that might be one of the reasons why I don't know it. In June, Capcom um, Interactive uh, was tasked with developing and distributing mobile games for the overseas market. So they finally were getting into mobile games about the time is when cell phones were really starting to become bigger. Um, All right. Then in 2006, Capcom and Tommy Company co-launched Wantame Music Channel, um, a card game machine geared towards girls under 10. Never heard of that one either. Um, August. Never a girl under 10. Well, I was, no, no, I was never a girl under 10. (laughs) All right. But then in 2006, in August 2006, they released one of, uh, one of my favorite games ever. They released Dead Rising. Um, Sold more than 1 million units worldwide. Um, I, I love the Dead Rising series. Um, it finally interjected true humor into the zombie genre, the zombie world, which I actually blame the first Dead Rising game for bringing zombies back in a big way back into popular culture to where now I'm so sick of zombies. Um, I want to cry. Yeah, but I love the Dead Rising games. This is uh, most of the current games, unless you buy the zombie title, right? Like World War Z, stuff like that. Right. I mean, it's an option. And that's what I love. The new Call of Duty Vanguard came out the other day, and it's got a zombie mode in it, and I don't think I've touched it yet. Yeah. Probably won't. Yeah, it's... Well, and, and I do appreciate, you know, a, a lot of times they talk about, like, you know, such and such walks, so such and such can run kind of thing. And I think that Resident Evil brought the idea of zombies back to video games. And then Dead Rising was like, okay, well, what if we took the slow, methodical zombie, you walk into a tiny little corridor and there's two or three in front of you, 
How about we completely rip off George Romero's Dawn of the Dead and just throw him in a mall and put thousands around? And you can run around the shopping mall and beat him with whatever you can find. Um, it was funny. It was hard. Oh, God, that, yeah. That seems to be a staple of Capcom games. Is it's very hard. Um, but it, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I spent a lot of hours playing playing that. Dead Rising, uh, some of the sequels I played more, but yeah. Oh, I, uh, I beat um, the first and the fourth one. I played the second and third one. But the uh, the to me a staple of a Capcom game is actually the cars because every car in a Capcom game steers from the rear, and it you drift like it's no problem, and every car drives the same. And in the uh, the uh, most recent the uh, fourth Dead Rising, even the giant tractor drives <laughs> like a Capcom car. It's and uh, to me Capcom's cars are. A staple to what their games are. They've always really driven the same. Is we're sitting here talking about Street Fighter, Devil May Cry, Resident Evil, Mega Man, these huge games. No racing game. Right. Right. <laughs> they that's, 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 just, that's just not their real right. What? It's just not their wheelhouse. No, right? it's, I mean, it's I'm, not. I'm pretty sure when they put driving mechanics into Capcom games, the game developer was like does it steer? Do you want it front or rear? I don't care. Does it yeah. steer? It steers okay. like one of those. It steers like one of those furniture carts that you know you got to start like the a, turn like early. A, like old school yeah. forklift. Right, right. So, all right. Um, in December of that year, they released um, Lost Planet for 360. Never played that one. Um, uh, Dead Rising. Um, again, they released another version of it or whatever. Um, Capcom Entertainment in March um, in Korea, um, wholly owned subsidiary of Capcom. Uh, we don't care about that. Okay. Um, so then in 2007, they released Monster Hunter Freedom 2. Uh, becomes the first Japanese PSP software um, to exceed 1 million units shipped. Hmm. I don't know if they sold them, but they shipped them. <laughs> they got on the boats and went out to the world. I... Yeah, I always think it's funny when when video games have said shipped and sold. It's like I, you can ship a lot of products, doesn't mean it made any money. So all right, then uh, June that year they started performing guest lectures at elementary schools and middle schools uh, to support educational <laughs> to be educational support. Didn't the Communist Party do that back in Nazi Germany? But the Communist Party wasn't making video games. I don't. Yeah, but they were. Yeah, so let's not go down that rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) What I do think is kind of cool, whether there was a nefarious purpose behind it or not, I do think it's cool that Capcom was basically saying that, hey, look, this thing that you guys do for fun, this thing that your parents tell you you're wasting hours of your life doing, you can have a career with this. You can make a living with this. Because I think... At least when I was growing up, I think in the 90s and early 2000s, I think if you would have told somebody, I want to make video games, you know, most of your teachers and stuff were going to be like, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. back yeah. then, the teachers also told you that you never have a calculator anywhere you go. And right, oh, right. look at us now, ladies right. and gentlemen. Not only do I have a calculator, I got a camera, too. <laughs> and, and I think that video games, and this is a, a, Capcom is a reason for this 
But I think video games have become increasingly more mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Capcom has these entities that uh, surpass just the video gaming community. Like, there is a portion of the population that does not know Resident Evil is a video game. Right. They know that there's movies. They do not know it's a video game. Right. Well, I think one of the smart things Capcom did is usually when you buy it oh, back in the well, that's okay. I'm gonna say back. I'm gonna say the early 2000s. I remember that you could buy Resident Evil on uh, PS uh, PS One, and inside the game disc box was all the concept art and the little booklet, right? And you know. I think one of the things Capcom did is they showed people that not only is this just a game, but there is a lot of art mm -hmm. behind it. And nobody really gets to see that art anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. I know that there are certain games that when they hit a certain popularity, they will release the concept art for it. But I do think that you're right that Capcom was the first company that released that concept art with the game. And... I, I don't know of any company that does that still. Of course, it's. I think it's becoming you know more and more to you know a game seems like it's going to be popular ahead of time, so they start releasing the art online and whatnot. You know, it gets a certain buzz about it, um, especially if it's got if it's got uh, versions of it before or sequels and whatnot beforehand. So yeah, I, I remember when Dead Space was first coming out. That was kind of a big deal to to horror gaming community and that game was great they it, it was and when you there was a package where you could pre-order and it actually came with a book a hardcover book of art for the game it's it's not big it's kind of a smaller book um but it's glossy pages it's beautiful pictures um and and that was a, a big thing for me i think that's a smart move for for them to do so then you know, the not to get off, the, oh. and not not to keep this train going off the rails, but this has already gone on for an hour. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> not, not not to keep you know derailing the train, but you know I think video games, people that play them, people that make them, and everything else like that, you know, pre pre COVID era, was generally looked down on as a waste of time, space, and energy because there were really what people could see no tangible rewards for it. And, you know, I think Capcom back today listened to what Casey said and everything. You know, they tried. I think they foresaw an issue such as this. And that is why 90% of the games that we play are done outside of the United States. So then in November of that year, uh, they released uh, Resident Evil Extinction. Extinction um, and it exceeded $147 million worldwide. So... Just to be clear, if anybody's listening and is unsure, these are Resident Evil movies. Yes, yes, about. yes. Resident Evil Extinction. Um, I never saw that one. Uh, it wasn't bad. Was it good? No. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was a movie. I've all on Blu-ray, and I have made it through the first three. Three is better than two, which is like saying it's still not good. Yeah. And and then, and if you're a diehard Resident Evil fan, you must have them. Not that you must watch them. If you're a diehard Resident Evil fan, listen to R in season one. Season one. 
<laughs> and, and as a pretty big Resident Evil fan, I can say Stephen is accurate. I own them. I have not watched them. <laughs> that makes sense. That tracks. All right. In October 2008, they released the first full CGI Resident Evil movie, Resident Evil uh, Degeneration. Um, I do own that one, and I have seen that one. That one's pretty good. And um, it it sold 1.5 million DVDs. How many times it's been downloaded or whatnot, I have no idea. I've never seen it. I'd like to, though. Um, and It's pretty good. In February, the Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li movie was released, which wasn't a good movie, but it was much better than the Street Fighter 2 movie from I before. I forgot that even existed mm-hmm. until you just said it. Yeah. No, I, I never saw that one. Yeah, no, I, I watched it. I actually watched it a couple times because the first time I watched it, I was like, this isn't a good movie. And then I watched it another time and I was like, it still isn't a good movie. And then like the fourth or fifth time, it still wasn't a good movie. So I gave up on it. Um, it's funny that they would pick her as the right. flagship for the film. Right. Uh, anyway, I don't know if you watch the movie. I mean, it, it's worth watching just to say that you watched it to be, you know, for the whole street fighter purpose. You, you get why they pick her, but I don't know. Um, okay. So then, um, in April, uh, they began broadcasting uh, TV show Sengoku uh, Basara based on the previous game. May released um, Resident Evil Degeneration for the iPhone. Uh, it's the first iPhone title they released. Um, in July, <clears throat> Sengoku Basara uh, stage performance commences. So they turn. So they turn. Um, the game into uh, I want to say it's a musical. I have no idea. I didn't even know it was a thing until looking all this stuff up. Um, and, and I think I think the big picture here is to show that Capcom started off as basically a hardware builder and then went into software, and now they're getting into video games are just a small part. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting into films, they're getting into TV, they're getting into all these other avenues. Where, you know, from a creative standpoint, you can get a little more creative and take a few more risks because, hey, you know what? If this doesn't, like, explode in popularity, that's okay because we've got this, this, and this, you know. Right. Right. Which, I mean, it. Uh, I think it says a lot that they, you know, I think that they, I, think, I guess all these other, you know, companies that they've been founding and stuff all throughout their history have been looking at other revenues, revenue streams and other avenues that they could go down as a company. Yeah. So then now we're in 2010. In April, they launched Resident Evil 4 iPad edition, which I didn't realize it was a specific um, one for an iPad, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then in April, they released um, Manhan Niki Mobile Aru Mura. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that game looks like garbage. Okay, but then in September of 2010, uh, Resident Evil Afterlife 3D was released. Never saw that one either. Do you, is that in your box set? It's in the box set. Yeah. I have it on Blu-ray, but I have not seen it. All right, and then in uh, December 2010, they released uh, Monster Hunter Freedom 3 for PSP. Sold 4 million copies. Um, and I like how that one sold 4 million, but the other one shipped. <laughs> Um, all right. So then in December, Monster Hunter X, um, 
Shinju Hot Springs was held at the Hot Springs Resort in Shinbu, um, in Nagano, whatever. Uh, so, um, yeah, so now they've gotten into hospitality because now they've opened a resort. Good God. All right. Um, and then 2011, um, Street Fighter 4 3D edition ships 1 million copies. Um, August, Monster Hunter The Real was held at Universal Studios Japan. So they actually made Monster Hunter into a ride and whatnot. And I'd ride it. Why not? You know. Yeah. Um, and then December, Monster Hunter 3 Tri-G for 3DS. All right. 2012. Um, uh, released the home game, uh, Dragon's Dogma, um, and then Resident that Evil. That is a fun game. Never That's played a fun it. Game. Dragon's um, Dogma is one of those action RPGs that is a little more action and a little less RPG. So for noobs like me, it's a little easier to get into. Um, fun. I, I did not beat it, but I spent several hours in it. It's, it's fun. But then in 2012, in September, they released the Resident Evil movie Retribution, which earned, which I thought this was funny that I found this, so I put it in here. It earned $0.24 billion at the box office. Not, not $240 million, but $0.24. All right, and then same year, October, they released the CGI movie Resident Evil Damnation, which I wonder, do those movies have any connection? Do you know? I haven't seen them. No, I... The, um... I don't know that the animated movies are connected like the live action ones are. Um, I would have to think they are, um, but I have not seen Damnation and I've not seen the the third one either. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. So then we're going to uh, jump ahead to 2016. Monster Hunter characters are featured for the first time in the Osaka preferential police vehicle related crime awareness campaign. So now Capcom has uh, been brought out into um, policing. Yeah, good times. Great. Yep. So then from there on out, for the rest of Capcom's history, they just start rebooting Street Fighter and um, Mega Man. You know, in October of 2018, they pushed out a uh, new Mega Man uh, series character, and um, they actually put... Mega Man into the cybercrime prevention awareness in Osaka. Um, and they continue the Monster Hunter series. And so, uh, going back to the beginning of this, um, oh, wait, in 2020, what came out in 2020, Monster? Are, are we referring to Resident Evil 8, The Village? Uh, Biohazard. Um, but no, in, 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 in 2000, um, sorry. 2017. Right, in 2017, came out. In 2020, it was uh, marked that it had officially sold over 100 million units worldwide. You know, so uh, hot take: Resident Evil Seven is is my favorite Resident Evil game. And if you want to know more about it, <laughs> listen to R. All right. So at the beginning of this, um, Sarge, you asked, "Does Capcom really have any games anymore?" Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Your Monster Hunter that you beloved, your beloved Monster Hunter, that is Capcom. And it has always yes, been. It is. And, it, and yeah. the movie with Mila Jovovich and Tony Jaa was actually really good. 
Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to watch it. Previews. I never saw it, but I remember it seeing good. the previews. It looked kind of cool. Really good. I was, and it made me want to pick up the latest Monster Hunter game and play it. And I did play it for a while. Maybe I'll give Monster Hunter a try here soon. But yeah, uh, try Monster Hunter World and let me know because I think I still own it. Okay. Um, it, 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 it's really fun. It's a lot easier with more people. So yeah, um, they have kept uh, Street Fighter and Mega Man alive, um, and Monster Hunter seems to be their other third biggest franchise. I mean, well. And and I will say this because we uh, at the time of recording R before I don't think I had started playing Resident Evil Eight Village yet. Um, since then, I have played it. I have beat it. It is very good. It is it 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 encapsulates a lot of Resident Evil Four as well as Resident Evil Seven. And I want to say it's it's in the upper half of the Resident Evil catalog. It's really really good. All right. So if I had to say it, and, and I will say this, I think prior, yes, prior to Resident Evil, you know, you had Street Fighter and stuff like that. But I honestly think nowadays uh, Resident Evil is a flagship for them. Oh yeah, definitely. And and it hasn't done them wrong yet. I mean, there's there, there's some critics out there like I still can't get over the inventory uh, inventory management of the Resident Evil games. Listen to R. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta listen to R. <laughs> uh, I, 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 but I agree. I think that from a video game only standpoint, you know, Mega Man, Street Fighter Two, you can make an argument for a couple of different ones. But as far as actual like mainstream popularity, I think the Resident Evil series is the one that Capcom has kind of built. You know, oh, absolutely, the most. Yeah. Yeah, whenever sure. that whenever that Capcom logo flashes across the screen, you kind of get a little bit of the chills. Yeah, oh yeah, you get you get that feeling. It's a good feeling. Oh, I love it. So, anyway, yeah, um, I think Capcom is still a driving force in the video game industry. You know, even though you've got other big ones that have definitely popped up, like Rockstar and whatnot, Capcom just still chugs along. And oh, don't get you know, that's not quality. Yeah, Rockstar, I've got my own feelings about. Maybe we'll do R for Rockstar later. And we'll bitch about Rockstar for an hour. So, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Rockstar rants. So, all right. Um, That is it for Capcom. I mean, I did kind of brush over the last, I don't know, eight years of it. But it just kind of seems to be a lot of the same stuff where they're pushing out mobile games and and things. And they're rebooting series and continuing on, you know, giving uh, Resident Evil new life and um, same to Street Fighter. I mean, the new Street Fighter games are phenomenal. They really are. They really did, you know, bring them to a new level. I recommend I think playing. Capcom's them. in a position now where they can basically just ride the key franchises that they've already created, and as long as they keep, you know, releasing solid entries into the series, like you said, they're still doing Monster Hunter games. They're still doing Resident Evil games. They're still doing uh, Mega Man stuff. You know. Um, I, I, I am sure they will create, you know, new original IPs as well, but yeah, Capcom already, there's no debate. I mean, they're one of the most historic legacy driven, you know, developers ever. And one of the things that I didn't find in my history of, but one of my favorite, favorite arcade games of all time is Marvel versus Capcom. God, I love that fighting game. We didn't talk about that. But yes, Marvel vs. Capcom is great, and the new Marvel vs. Capcom 
is great as well. So um, it's out on Xbox, I believe. So all right. all right. So that's all I have for Capcom. That's good it for job, C. Danger. That was very, very good. Oh, very thorough. Thanks, guys. Entire quiz is going to be B. Sorry. The answer to the quiz at the end of this is going to be B. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets an A. So. For making up for the garbage audio of Captain America, that's been C is for Capcom. Yeah, I don't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know I'm going to justify that before the sign off. I mean, we did we did Captain America for C. I, it was good. It flowed well, but it sounded like we were all talking in a fishbowl. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Uh, Sarge Monster, you guys have anything for the public? Any uh, words of advice? Uh, yeah, just uh, go out there, live your life, enjoy yourself. Don't give a damn what anyone has to say, think, or feel, and just have a great day. Well, my motto's always been stay positive and love your life. And, and these days, you know, COVID and everything else going on, I think that's important to do. <laughs> Mine is go listen to Aris for Resident Evil of Season 1. Go. All right. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Later.